Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout-out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? A tanker off Galveston Bay, Texas, spills 1.7 million gallons of oil in the U.S.'s worst oil disaster. 500 Iranian students seized the U.S. Embassy in Tehran, taking 90 hostages for 444 days. And Ronald Reagan announces his candidacy for the U.S. presidency. This is November 1979, and you're listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. And who's bringing this classic album? Oh, it looks like Bruce. He's got that Cheshire grin going on. Yes, yes, indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Damn the Torpedoes is the album. This album was actually released in mid-October. But the first single dropped in November, and we already covered Toto in uh, October. So oh, that's I, right. It's Wayne's favorite band. Yeah. <laughs> so the group is Mike Campbell on guitars and keyboards, Ben Montench on keyboards and backing vocals, Ron Blair on bass, Stan Lynch on drums and backing vocals. I'm always impressed when somebody can sing from behind the drum set. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Tom Petty on lead, rhythm guitar, harmonica, and producer of the album. And this song is Refugee. This was their second single. It was released in January 1980 as a single. Went to number 15 on the Billboard Hot 100. This was before it was bad to call somebody a refugee, huh? Uh, Apparently so. (laughs) I love the title of this. I do too. Damn the Torpedoes. Damn it. Where does that come from? Uh, I want to say Mobile Bay Mobile in the Bay. Civil War. Ding, ding, ding. The U.S. was having a cruise through there, and they called mines at that time torpedoes. Uh-huh. And uh, the United States um, captain said, damn the torpedoes. Admiral Farragut said, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. That is the motto of the United States Navy. Yep. Well done, Wayne, the historian. Well, my daughter was at the Naval Academy for a little bit, so, yeah, I, yeah. I kind of knew that. <laughs> there you go. This was when I really got interested in Tom Petty. It's, it's an interesting album, and it's interesting music at the time because, you know, one of the things we've discovered is that rock music goes through these ebbs and flows. You know, some years there's just a ton of music, and some years it's more difficult. This 79... Commercial disco is kind of the big thing, right? It's the waning days of disco. And then this song comes out, and I don't know, how would you characterize this this type of music? kind of harkens back to the 60s, but it, it was does, a little bit more it? rock and roll. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have a live, a live like a refugee. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is the first song uh, Petty and Mike Campbell wrote. This is the first song that Campbell had written. And uh, he said, I just wrote the music and handed it to Tom. And he put the words over it, and when he did, 
he found a way to make the chorus lift up without changing the chords. And that's kind of an interesting thing. You go into the chorus, it's the same as the verses, but Mm -hmm. he just handles it a little differently. This sounds like a little bit of a deeper cut. This also sounds like something in the 50s, too. You know, you got Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis. This is a little deeper cut. This is a song called What Are You Doing In My Life? And it's about a girl that uh, the guy can't get rid of. Oh. That sounds like quite a precarious situation. It is. There's one lyric that says, well, you're the last woman in the world that thrills me. Now you got my girlfriend trying to kill me. (laughs) Honey, my friends will think I've gone crazy. Can't you figure out that you ain't my baby? Ooh. (laughs) Sound like he had a stalker. Yeah, yeah, a little bit like a stalker. That's right. But I like this. It's kind of upbeat. Um, that first song, Refugee, uh, I read something on Song Facts about that where Petty said it was a reaction to the pressures of the music business. There was an interesting little thing going on at the time. ABC Records was their distributor, mm-hmm. and ABC assigned their contract to MCA. And Petty said, you can't do that. You can't. you, you got to ask our permission on that. We, if you are turning our contract over to somebody else, yeah. it makes it null and void. It's kind of like a mortgage company. <laughs> you buy a house, then you're like, who am I paying for this? <laughs> so MCA sued him, and then Petty declared bankruptcy to make it even more difficult for them to sue him. And they finally settled by signing a new contract with Backstreet Records, which was an MCA subsidiary. So that's kind of how that one went down. The music business is interesting because you've got a lot of artists and a lot of just great ideas and this big thinking, and then you've got all the detail of the contracts. And yeah. It, you know, I can see how it's just it's hard for those two groups to get together a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get on the same page. <laughs> yeah. There's a very d- big difference between being creative, being the, being good at cr- the creativity side of music, and being good at the business side of music. Right. I imagine that's true in just about anything. Well, I mean, it's notorious. The record industry just screws over the artist. Okay. The artist is not a lawyer. They just want to just make good music and, and perform it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing. Petty, this was this was really their, their real breakthrough, but Petty had been successful before. He, he did well with their first album back in 1976. That's where we got American Girl ah, okay. and we got Breakdown. Breakdown yeah. was kind of the oh, big yeah. hit off That's of that great one. one. Which album was this again, Bruce? This one number? is the third. Third, okay. The third album. So the first one was, you know, that peaked at number 55 back in 1978, so it was kind of a slow burn. And this was their first top ten album. It went to number two on the Billboard album charts, and it remained at number two for seven weeks. Wow. Could not get to number one. Why is that? Uh, I think there was an album called The Wall. There was there was <laughs> a wall in front of Tom Petty. Yeah, uh, I have a note here. The Wall sold six million copies in two weeks. Pink wow. Floyd had that type of power. Tom wow. Petty told Westwood One, I love Pink Floyd, but I hated them that year. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. This is interesting. This is interesting, isn't it? It builds, but you'll know the song. Kind of built in. 
<laughs> I like that. The sound effects are awesome. Believe it or not, this song was not released as a single on the album outside of Australia. It was not released as a single in the U.S. Really? What's the song? So the song is Even the Losers. What happens? With, do they get lucky sometimes? They get lucky sometimes. <laughs> I got a story on this one. Back in the day, I was, I was in a fraternity at Auburn University, and um, one of the fraternity brothers' girlfriend came into town. He brought a friend, and uh, she... She was attractive and everything, and of course, you know when you when you're young and you come to a town where it was only 19 to drink, uh, a lot of alcohol was flowing, and I really, you know, didn't get involved with that. Had other things to do, but um, it's interesting. There was this one guy that's kind of goofy in the fraternity, and he was hanging out with them and everything else. Well, the next morning, you know, the friend with the girlfriend goes, "Well, what happened? You know, saw the girl, and I happened to be." sitting around and watching TV and hearing this conversation and goes, well, what happened to you last night? And she goes, well, um, I ended up sleeping in Jeff's bed. And he goes, goes, Jeff? He goes, really? And I just chimed up and goes, well, even the losers get lucky sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> there is a similar story uh, from, uh, from this song. It's uh, Petty had had a crush on a girl named Cindy when he was in junior high school. And uh, years later, they hooked up in Gainesville, Florida. And the next morning, Cindy told him that their relationship consisted of only that night. Ah. And that was also the night that Petty realized that he needed to be a rock and roll band. And this song kind of sums up that night. Yeah. I never thought he was that much of a good-looking guy either. So, <laughs> I, You know, Tom Petty is one of those that I've always felt like would be kind of an approachable guy. He would be a cool person to hang out with. He didn't seem to be all that pretentious, you know. He had a face for radio. <laughs> a good one. I loved guy. him. He was, you know, he was one of the characters in King of the Hill. And uh, I always thought that was uh, that was really appropriate. Yeah. This was uh, this came out when I was in uh, ninth grade, my freshman year. Yeah. And I just remember hearing these songs and this identifying with them well they're all they're all real tight single songs you know like wayne was talking about throwback to the 60s they were they're they're they weren't these elaborate right you know songs this was just good straightforward rock and roll yeah well he'd do remakes of the bird songs on future yeah. albums and things like that so that's where you know we grew up and mm -hmm. and i can understand that but i mean this was the album of 1980, one of the top ones, along with the Wall. But mm -hmm. this is this is a great album. Yeah, I oh, like solid. I like this one, and I do like the message. Even the losers get lucky. Even sometimes. the losers get lucky. <laughs> Look at us. I think we worked out all. We all turned out all right. <laughs> <laughs> so the last one we're going to do is the first single from the album, and Petty actually wrote it in 1974. Really? Yeah, long goes back a ways. Very tight. Bring that Hammond organ in there. Yeah, I love the organ. Listen to that. That's sweet. So, Petty wrote the song in 1974 when he was with a band called Mud Crutch. 
and this was Petty's first top 10 hit. It reached number 10 on the Billboard uh, 100. Hmm. And, of course, the song is saying, you know, a friend of mine had some trouble. Don't do not do that to – don't do me like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And he is kind of in his storytelling mode. Yeah. His talk kind of talk singing. Mm-hmm. I love that piano and the, the, the organ work. It's just a neat song. Gotta like that. All right, top hits of November 1979. Still the Commodores. Dim all the lights, Donna Summer. She could do no wrong at that time. No. No More Tears, Barbara Streisand. And Donna Summers, and I Donna think, Summer, isn't it? That's right. Babe by Styx. This go on to be a number one song. Another past number one song, Heartache Tonight, Eagle. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, we're going to hear something about that in a little while. Oh, really? Yeah. We talked a little bit about Pink Floyd's The Wall. We'll have, we'll have even though we've done Pink Floyd a couple of times already, We'll kind of come back to that later on. But Paul McCartney releases his hit song, Wonderful Christmas Time. Oh, simply having a wonderful <laughs> Christmas time. I guess so. They would put those out in November. Yeah. yeah. That makes a sense. A lot of Christmas. We'll talk about Christmas albums and everything soon. Chuck Berry is released from prison for tax evasion. Oh, wow. I mean, how often does that happen? I mean, that, that's got to be awful. But speaking of Donna Summer... She becomes the first female to have five top five hits in the same year, and three of them were number one wow. in the same candlelit year. So maybe we'll do "What the Funk" as another uh, podcast, and we can cover there stuff you like go. that. There you go. All right, Bruce. Thanks for uh, bringing yeah, us great. that. My pleasure. Well, now we're going on to our entertainment track, brought to us by Right Column Financial, and this one is a little bit out of our league for uh, what the riff but it it does have relevance in terms of entertainment in november of 1979 that's right and it may you, they, does it say right off the bat here does, Some say love. Uh, it's called no. the rose it doesn't say it until the very yeah. last Bette the Midler very last played a a I guess, what do you call it, a entertainer? Uh, it was Janis Joplin's story, basically. It's it was it was loosely based yeah. on her. Oh, and, I didn't realize I mean, that. Yes. Yeah. And it's it, a very sad movie. It is a sad movie. She basically spirals down. We talked. We had a Janis Joplin uh, album. Oh, yeah. yeah we had Big that. Brother and the Holding Company. No one's done Janis Joplin yet. True. You guys are welcome to do that. Yeah. I did Big Brother and the Holding Company. Oh, golly. Probably with the first year, probably one of yep. the first 20 episodes. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes we did, but yeah, she she duplicated that. Now the, the was very loosely based on it, but it mm-hmm. showed how she just just became an alcoholic and just tried to get acceptance from anybody. And this well, this is when Bette Midler also really kind of got noticed, didn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Well, in the movies she did, but she was always big on Broadway and and you know things ah. like that. But yeah, it, to your point, she. It shot her up to superstardom in the, in the movies. I remember hearing this on the radio all the time in yeah. <laughs> 1979. Yeah. Well, and look, you were a key, you were a piano player at the time. Oh, you I, had to have played this song. I had, this was one of my assignments one time, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, other movies from November 1970. 
nine. Quadrophenia. The we all sat around and watched that before we did that the was album. Fun. Uh, the fish that saved Pittsburgh. You guys remember that? It was I a bas- the title. basketball comedy. The visitor. Um, it had a bunch of well-established stars in this. It was a science fiction horror movie. It was the visitor. Wasn't that a TV made for TV? Yeah, I think so. It was John Huston, Shelley Winters, Glenn Ford, Sam Peckinpah. And what's interesting for a Atlanta highlight, uh, Neil Bortz had a, had a role in that. Really? Who was, a talk, who was a talk show host here in Atlanta. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bear Island was a thriller movie based on Alistair McLean novel with Donald Sutherland and Vanessa Redgrave. Christopher Lee and Lloyd Bridges was also in it, but it was a big flop. In TV, ABC starts Iran Crisis, America Held Hostage. That was the start of Nightline, uh, too, wasn't correct. it? That's correct. It's the start of that. Oh. Remember Salem's Lot? Oh, God. Yeah. That, that happened scary. in TV that on November 1979. I remember the the vampire in that. That was, I, oh, my goodness. That mo- that was one of the scariest things on TV. I It just scared the crap out of me. Those glowing <laughs> eyes. Yeah. You know, somebody rocking in a rocking chair in a dark room, and all of a sudden they open their eyes, and they're glowing, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm <laughs> out of here. <laughs> Change the channel. That was a Stephen King. Yeah. Uh, Pat Summerall and John Madden broadcast together for the first time, and they would last 22 years in, in uh, televised football. And Jaws is broadcast for the first time on ABC. That was, that was a big deal back in the day. Boy, they, I still don't go in the water. They had to edit <laughs> the heck out of that, I bet. Ah, just a little bit of blood. For the water. graphics, yeah. Come on, that's not much. <laughs> I like the theme song though. Yeah. <laughs> we'll use that as our entertainment track on one of these, maybe. <laughs> I hear you. All right, so that was our entertainment track from November 1979, and now we're getting into staff picks, and I'm going with this one. What oh, you got Rob. there, Rob? Come on, Rob, tell us what you got. This is J.D. Souther, title song from his third album. If you're only lonely, we made it to number one on the adult contemporary charts, and number seven on Billboard Hot 100. So Souther, I, I really didn't wasn't familiar with him, but he was born in Detroit, and then he was raised in Texas, Amarillo, Texas. So you can kind of figure that out, the sound a little bit. He ended up in California in the 1960s, and he had a roommate. And they started a little folk band called Long Branch Penny Whistle. Anybody know who his roommate was? I'm guessing it's either Glenn Fry or Don Henley. Glenn Fry. There we go. He really put some good artists together for this project. And if you didn't know this was J.D. Souther singing it, who would you think it might be? Glenn Fry. I thought thought it was a female artist. I did, too. I was kind of thinking Timothy B. Smith myself. So... Maybe a little Phil Everly. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little Jackson Brown, a little feel. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a little Glenn Fry feel. That's where I'm hearing. All three of them are harmonies on this song. You're hearing all yes. three of them. Oh, oh fantastic. Really? Yeah. And then David Sanborn is on the saxophone. Now, J.D. would eventually get onto the Eagles, correct? So he ended up uh, co-writing songs okay. for the Eagles, including the one we just mentioned, Heartache Tonight. Okay. Best of My Love, mm-hmm. Victim of Love, New Kid in Town. So he was involved in a lot of that. And he um, he was, uh, he was did a collaboration with James Taylor 
If you remember that James Taylor song, Her Town, too, it used to be yes. Her Town. Yeah. 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 Uh, he, he was involved in that as well. Wow. Yeah. Making money off of royalties now. Yeah. So he, it, it was kind of interesting to see his connections. I always think that's neat when we're doing these episodes and you can say, oh, this person knew this person, knew this yeah. person, knew that person. You'll find that the music entertainment groups, all these groups, actually kind of know somebody, knows somewhere. I mean, half the time they're uh, warm-up groups at the time, and then it gets flipped. Yeah, uh, It right. happens all the time that suddenly, you know, remember Blue Oyster Cult was a headliner, and then suddenly they're warming up for Rush. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, all these things kind of evolve, but that you meet all these different artists and I don't know how many times we talked about, hey, down the hall was so-and-so right. playing, and they came down and said, hey, I like that song. Right. Let me, you know, come or, in and do something for it. Yeah, they came in and played drums or guitar or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. You know, I actually thought it was Linda Ronstadt singing this. And yeah, he was that. involved a lot with uh, writing songs recorded by Linda Ronstadt. So I could hear I could hear her singing this. Well, so sure. were the Eagles, obviously. Yeah. That's why they got their start, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was their backup band. Yep, and, and the guitar, Danny Korchmars, the guitar player, and he, he ended up partnering up with Glenn Fry in the early 80s for, for Fry's um, uh, side projects. It's a neat time, that mid to late 70s, with the California country sound. Yeah, you don't really don't have that anymore. Good point. Yeah, California country. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right, well, I, I enjoyed call, learning Rob. a little Good bit call. about that. Now we're going to go over to Wayne. What you got for us, Wayne? You guys are going to recognize the song. Is it another Toto song? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> this is a one-hit oh, yeah. wonder. Oh, yeah. This the should song? have, if, it, if this was not on the Guardians of the Galaxy mixtape, one or the other, it, it should have been. I, I love that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it was. This is late 70s song. Oh, yes. it? yeah. It's called this- Driver's Seat. And this is where you're in the driver's seat, and that pedal went to the metal, baby. Yeah. The group is sniffing the tears. It's a British fan. Uh, I mean, this song has over 10 million views on YouTube. It, it's, it, I think it's, it's a song that's just a lot of people just love the heck out of it. Once again, we're, it's a driving song. You just, just love the heck out of how it, how it is. Has a has a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. It, you know, the lyrics are positive. It just it's kind of. The structure's a little different, but you know it's 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 gearing in to just a fun fun song. It's got it's got a a slight feel of disco, but it is in no way disco. I don't know how to describe that. Maybe it's the 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 drum beat or something. I think it has you, a slight feel. If you had different instruments playing, I think it could be disco. Well, it starts off with the drums, yeah, and that was the whole key, mm-hmm. and then you slowly build. To other other things coming in, so as yeah. it gets geared in, it starts there. So here we're adding something else new. So we're, so it, it, it's but it never really yeah. changes. I mean that's that chord structure is constant throughout, isn't it? Right. Yeah. It's kind of funny. The name is Sniff and the Tears, like, but it's it looks like sniffing mm-hmm. the tears. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's going to be called? The group is going to be called Tears, the Tears, and. Uh, Paul Roberts, who was the lead singer and everything, had a cold, and he was sniffing, and he goes, oh, we'll just call it Sniffing the Tears. <laughs> so. Oh, so there wasn't a group that was already called the Tears. No. So they didn't avoid calling themselves Tears for Fears. Right. 
They didn't want to get t- uh, confused for the Tears. <laughs> there was a group called the Tears that was out at the same time. Well, according to Paul Roberts, who wrote the song, um, driver's seat is not about really driving. It's more about a, he called it a fragmented, conflicting thoughts and emotions that might follow the breakup of a relationship. And just, uh, and the impossibility of imagining not seeing somebody who you've been so close to. So that was the idea. Check out the space. There we go. I like that part. Yeah. They actually came back Ooh, in yeah. 1991. They did a, a sort of a, a new, I guess, 12-inch version, you know, the dance part. And it reached number one in Dutch. In, 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 oh, really? Yeah, in Amsterdam it was big. But, hmm. you know, it, it comes back. I, I'm sure I, I didn't really look and see what movies it was on, but I'm sure it has been. Uh, I do remember, I think, Boogie Nights it was in. And I want to say commercials. I want to say I saw it in a couple of commercials back in the day. So many of these songs from the 70s are in the commercials. Yeah. Now. Well, you know, all those advertising agency guys get in the 50s, and they, they use those songs they used to know. Right, Rob? <laughs> That's right. This made it to number 15 on the charts. And, I mean, I don't know if it gets a whole lot of airplay on classic radio or not. You know, But, I mean, I mean, it's fun. It's a good song. It does have kind of that... that fantasy uh, keyboard yeah. synthesizer in the background. That minor key, there's a, you know, yeah. I get that when he describes it as a disjointed type of thing, I get that. That that, that makes sense to so me. That was Driver Sneeze. Uh, sniff in the tears. All right. Now we're going to go Wayne. to Brian. A little harmonica. Uh, this is one I haven't heard in a while. Yeah. I want to say that girl that, that came down, she kept on saying she was a good girl. Uh-huh. This is a follow-up, gentlemen. The Knack. Get the Knack. This is called Good Girls Don't. And this is their follow-up to their smash hit, My Sharona. <laughs> I love the Knack, the sound of the Knack. That harmony. It's really fun. It's, uh, if you guys can see my face... I've got this big shitty uh, grin on my face because I just love the knack. I just think they're, the, they're just great. It just brings me back so quickly to 1979. I could see this being uh, an inspiration for the producers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sounds yeah. like. Well, this song was, re- you know, basically a, a few artists have remade it, including the Chipmunks, Ben Folds, the Chubbies, and the McCrackens. But... Doug Feger, he's the one that wrote this, and he actually wrote this song in 1972. Really? And wow. He would try to get this, you know, record company to just, you know, to accept the song, and nobody ever did. So basically, when the Knack went into the studio to record "Get the Knack," he hated the song by then. Hmm. But his producer, uh, at the time, said, "Come on, get it." This, Mike Chapman was the producer. Said. Just do it. Let's just do it one time. And if it if it works, it works. Well, guess what? It worked. Yeah. They only took one cut. Oh, and really? It was included on the album. Well, this is kind of the the start of new wave. I, I get this. Yeah. We, yeah. We've talked about other groups that came out at this time, and this this is sort of like okay, we're we're flipping this 
from classic rock to something a little bit more MTV that hadn't started yet, but more involved in that. Real poppy, but real fast, real short and sweet. So clean version, which was released as a single, and then the album version. Album version was a little bit different, I assume. It was indeed. That's funny. I'm, we're not going to post that on our Facebook page, though. We'll, we'll, I don't know. Who knows? If there's an E next to it, if it's on iTunes, I guess we can go. Or yes. not on iTunes, if it's on um, on whatever. Well, wherever you want to yeah, download we're, we're, it. We're going to download it. We, you, you can have it. We the, can also, I guess even YouTube, if they have it on that. Who I'm knows? just going to put in a plug. You do. Get the Knack. Buy the Knack. That's a really good album. It's a really fun album. It has not been overplayed. Other than My Sharona which is okay. Everything else is everything else is just well, a fun. Thank you Brian. Album. Thank you for bringing that to us. And now we're going to go on all the way back to the person who brought us the album. Now we're bringing us their staff pick. Ooh, I I was a little little upset that you picked this one, Bruce. <laughs> I've had this one on the list for a long time. Probably my favorite song from the Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship, Starship Group. Check out this piano. Oh man. I love that. I love this also. This, this is, is such a favorites. great song. So this is Jefferson Starship, and the song is called Jane. And listen to that lead. That lead singing. George's own Mickey Thomas on lead. And we saw him a couple years we ago. We did. Mickey and Thomas we, and Starship, right? And I was rocking out to this song. He's, and he still got it, man. Yeah, he does. Fantastic. How do you get that high of voice, man? Yeah, well, and holding it that long. You know, that's the thing. Usually people fall off with age, but, I mean, Mickey Thomas is like 70, 71 now, and he's still hitting his notes. I'm just surprised Grace Slick was not singing the lead on this side. You almost can hear her voice in it. Well, yeah, Grace Slick was not on the album at this time. This was off of... uh, this is off of the, uh, let me see, which Freedom one was that? Freedom at point zero. Yeah, Freedom at point zero. And so, they were Starship at this point. No, no, no it's Jefferson, Jefferson Starship. Starship. I mean, they weren't Jefferson Airplane. They weren't Airplane. Jefferson Airplane. That's okay. correct. That's correct. So um, it was, uh, the lyrics were from David Freeberg, who plays bass on the track, and Jim McPherson, who's a singer-songwriter. He's not a member of the group. Uh, do you know who Jane was? Uh, no. I okay. was going to ask Jane that. Seymour. <laughs> Jane Seymour. <laughs> Good Mary, Mary Jane? Actually, David Freeberg said in a Song Facts interview, he said, Let's, uh, let us say it was loosely about an old girlfriend of mine whose name wasn't Jane. But it's all about, you know. This, so they this, had somebody in mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. So is the girlfriend famous or just he just No, he, it, it doesn't detail He didn't want to make her famous by this name of, name of, her off the, right. of the song opera. And I think the name Jane, it just plays well with that Jane you're playing a game because that's what the whole song is about, right? Oh, here we go. Here. Nice. And that guitarist I screaming love that in. Part. This song just has so many cool parts to me. Like there's just these little sections that are just like little that. hooks it's like oh yeah here it this comes. one coming up and it pounds you it's just boom that, da, 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 da. love that lots of air drumming going on here yep that is a wall of sound it is 
Uh, by the way, the keyboards, that's Pete Sears on keyboards on this one. He also played in several of Rod Stewart's albums before joining Jefferson Starship in 1974. Yeah, that's a good piano riff. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yep, just love that song. It's amazing they went from that kind of hippy-dippy group from Jefferson Airplane. Yeah. Uh, Grace get... Slick never liked that. Yeah. She, she, she felt like Jefferson Airplane had, you know, kind of the, the, the soul and had the, the spirit of the group. And this this was a little bit too yeah. commercial. Well, they had to change the name, obviously, yeah. and so they graduated from Airplane to Spaceship. Right. And then, of course, they went from... Jefferson Starship yeah. to just Starship. Another, another person left. They weren't able to maintain the Jefferson name. And then they opened an adult novelty store. <laughs> I don't that's think that's exactly true. <laughs> I was going to go through the side of the road. There yeah. is some conjecture over that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm not even going to go there. I'm just ignore it. No, All you right. shouldn't go there. <laughs> Thank bad. you, Bruce. Thank you for bringing that one. I, everybody else wanted to have that song, but you beat us all to it. But uh, we move on now to our instrumental, our laugh track, and we're going to go to an instrumental. And well, like we said, Pink Floyd, The Wall was released at this time. And this is sort of an instrumental, sort of, they got the, they always had little inserts. So this is sort of having like a television on in the background. And during the movie, if yeah. you watch it, you know, he's just kind of sitting there, just kind of blankly looking at the TV. And just wondering if anybody's out there. Guys, this 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 uh, this album takes me away. I Yo, mean, it just it is just a. Uh, I, I this one will never get old for me. Oh man, we, we can do so many different uh, staff picks, staff picks or album picks for yeah. for Pink Floyd. So you know, we we still oh, got animals. We got the wall. We got we still dark side of the moon. We've got plenty of more out there to do, but. We usually yeah. use this time to come back and, and what we didn't get to and albums that were released in November of 1979. The Dam had Machine Gun Etiquette. Iron Maiden had their first EP, The Soundhouse Tapes. Aerosmith had Night in the Ruts, if you guys remember that. That's The Jam, Setting Suns, Frank Zappa, Neil Horse, now Neil Horse, Neil Young and Crazy Horse had Live Rust. Parliament. He funk. <laughs> How they have glory, Alice, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Little feet down on the farm. Now that's a great album. ZZ Top, Dwego. Dan Fogelberg had Phoenix. Now that was a, a female favorite. I know. Doctor Hook. Sometimes you win. It's simple Minds. Real to real. Simple Minds. That's right. I didn't realize they early. had an album yeah, that early. Yeah. I love this finger. Can anybody out. can anybody play this uh, sitting around? I haven't. I mean, I could probably, but I haven't. It is. I just love that instrumental. It sounds just, like James Bond. A yeah. little bit, yeah. Well, that's David Gilmore. But you've been listening to What the Riff in November 1979. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We did. See you guys next time. Thanks for listening to What the Riff? We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. 
Special thanks to our sponsors, Wright Collin Financial, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?